This is the Church in Black and White podcast, where we discuss current issues of the church and culture from two complementary perspectives. Your hosts are Braylon Harris, pastor of Mount Olive Baptist Church in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and Michael Linton, pastor of First Baptist Church of Sulphur, Louisiana. And now, the ebony and ivory of podcasts, the church in black and white. All right, folks, it is good to be back in front of our microphones. Uh, I am Michael. Braylon Harris. We're here back finally. It has been a while for us. We know that we've uh, thrown out some pre-recorded stuff for you. I mean, we're all always pre-recorded, but we're usually fresh. We threw out an interview that Braylon and I did with uh, Matt Parker, a minister in Kansas City. Uh, while uh, we did that while I was on vacation, we, we it's been, I guess it's been a month or more since Braylon and I recorded a, a fresh podcast. Um, I just, just want to catch you up on what's been going on with us so you know why we've done it this way. Uh, first of June, uh, my family and I did go on vacation to East Tennessee and, and spent some time away having fun. And then the, the week after that, we were at the Southern Baptist Convention, which is going to be part of our topic today uh, as we get to it. Um, and then after... The convention, we came home. Uh, Y'all will remember that we had a flood in Lake Charles about two weeks before I left, and that got Braylon involved in his uh, disaster relief uh, directorship um, pretty quickly, so he's been busy. So that's that's what I was doing. Then we had VBS last week and uh, in the evenings, and that was a great success for us, considering we're doing it in a hollowed-out church, but... Anyway, that's where I've been for the last month. Braylon, you've uh, had a couple of irons in the fire, huh? Yeah, yeah. Very extremely busy. Um, doing a lot, of course, relief work. Of course, the flood that happened several weeks ago. Uh, responding to that uh, since then, uh, Southwest Louisiana Responds, which is the organization that I'm the director of. Uh, we've had eight days of hope here at our church. Uh, we've helped to coordinate work with Samaritan's Purse and uh, Southern Baptist Disaster Relief, Pel Praying Pelican, um, oh, Hope Force, and I mean, just probably 10 or 12 different groups we've been coordinating to come in uh, and help uh, individuals recover and be restored here in Southwest Louisiana. Uh, I still have, I'm looking out my door, probably about 45 people living at our church right now, so that's exciting. Wow. Uh, so, uh, they've taken up our entire upstairs of our administrative building, which is kind of our one of only two functioning buildings on our campus right now. So, uh, we're, we're, we're sharing, we're, we're sharing our, uh, our, uh, the, the widow, the, the, we're sharing our last cake, you know what I mean? Right. We're sharing what we got, you know, that's all we got, but we shared it. And, uh, so it's been, it's been exciting. It's been extremely busy. Uh, last week we were supposed to get together and, I got a call about going pick up a $35,000 check from um, Oak Crossing here in Lake Charles and uh, just great philanthropists that are jumping in and diving in uh, to be a part of, of this extraordinary uh, recovery for Southwest Louisiana. So it's uh, well, a so, Just so we're clear, you gave up talking with me for an hour for a free lunch and a $35,000 check. That's, that's what I understood, correct? I'm cheap, man. I'm cheap. Okay. All right. Well, I ain't giving you no $35,000 check, so I, I'd have gone to lunch too. That's right. That's right. No, it was, it was good. 
had a great time, man. And um, but things are going well. Um, next week, uh, we've got so I'm also preparing. Next week is our vacation Bible school. Few people know this. I'll actually be in Buffalo, New York next week. Uh, uh with uh, eight days of hope so eight days of hope came here to help us uh and i told them that i would do my best to go help them in their next stop and it happens to be buffalo new york and so yeah i am booked for buffalo new york next wednesday through friday no wednesday through saturday i think and so any any family going with you no, no. Oh, because um, you're just a few miles from Niagara Falls, man. I know, man. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going and check it Sorry, out. Sorry, Jazz. Uh, yeah, I'll go check that out. And uh, so, no, we've got family vacation the week after that. So, okay. Um, so I'm not even sure exactly where all I'm going to end up because she's made sure that it's going to be a multi-stop vacation. So yippee skippy. Gotcha. Here we go. Get you out of town. Get you out of. Um, out the weeds, brother. Yeah, yeah. Get you off your treadmills. What she's doing. That's right. That's right. Need some time. <laughs> Much needed. But, and I, I forgot to mention. I think maybe I talked about it a little bit at some point in one of our earlier podcasts. Uh, here at the church, we're hosting a uh, an organization called Leader Treks, and oh. they are um, a youth mission organization. They they organize mission trips for youth groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had, let's see, three groups so far. Then uh, I think we had, let me, let me think back. When I was on vacation in the convention, we had a group each of those weeks. The next week, we didn't have a group. We had a group last week. And then uh, there's no group this week. Then I think we have two or three groups coming the next two or three weeks. So they've been doing um, rebuild work around here, clean up. Uh, they've been doing backyard Bible clubs in our apartment complexes in neighborhoods. Last week, they helped us with our VBS and we appreciated uh, that uh, a group from Hamlin, Texas, north of Abilene, I believe is what they said. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we've been busy around here. It's a little quieter this week than it has been normally, but that'll pick back up uh, next week for us with our, our, actually, I guess they come in on Sunday afternoon. The next group will come in Sunday afternoon and they, they live upstairs in our education building. And so I know what it is to have visitors uh, during the week. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. The church is the church is alive, right? <laughs> yeah, and it is. It, it's something uh, to. I, I got a, a text from the youth minister. Actually, Amy got the text from the youth minister that was here last week, and um, not not. This is going to sound like I'm bragging, and and, and uh, I guess I am a little bit. I'm bragging on my church. I'm bragging on our people. Um, we, uh, he texted Amy and said, one of the takeaways from the week was that no matter what happens, you soldier on. That was the example your church was to us in the midst of devastation. FBC sulfur is fighting the good fight. Thank you for serving our King. You're doing the same thing. Uh, we're, we're, and, and most of the churches around here are to some extent, we are, serving and working out of our out of our devastation and we're trying to 
rebuild as we go, but the ministry doesn't stop. Uh, our VBS, we're, we're finally, if you've been keeping up with our saga on rebuild, we are finally beginning to make progress. Um, money has come in. I, I told Braylon a few minutes ago in the, when we were making the rue that I, I held, uh, we were talking about holding big checks and, and uh, I held, I think what was the second biggest check I've ever held. Uh, we deposited uh, $1.4 million from our insurance company yesterday. Well, of course, that immediately is going to be a check written to the construction company. So it's not like we're partying or anything, but it's progress. Uh, there's progress going on in our, our gym, our activity center. It's becoming an activity center, a little less gym, a little more activity. Um, so our VBS, because our plan for VBS last week was to be all outside in the parking lot, had all the construction stuff cleared off the parking lot so could use it. And it rained every day. Um, at some point we have evening Bible school. So somewhere between five and eight, it rained all but one of the days that we were going to have it. So we moved inside, but we couldn't move to the gym. That was the first plan because they had just begun hanging sheetrock and actually painting the ceiling of the gym. So couldn't have it in there. So we had to go to our sanctuary that we haven't used since the third or fourth Sunday, I think the fourth Sunday of September last year, we've not used that sanctuary. Wow. We it's clear, cleared out the roof isn't any good, but it's cleared out. So we were able to, um, have our activities in there. And it, it was something to, to sit there in the midst of the, the, the destruction going, yeah, but we still got ministry to do. We still got families to reach. We did a family VBS this year, similar to what we did last year because of the pandemic and we had to stay in our family units. We liked it so much, we decided to do it again, do it again this year. No, no kid drop-off. If you brought your kid, family, had to, family members oh. had to stay, a parent. And they went wow. around with them doing everything. So uh, we're refining that. We're going to probably uh, look at doing that again next year and seeing how we can make it better. So um, that's an interesting topic. We, we, uh, it's a, it's a long game that we're playing. You know, we're, we want conversions. We want people to come to Jesus, but we want to make disciples and we don't want, um, just, we don't mind drop-offs Wednesday nights, parents drop their kids off. We have other activities that parents can drop their kids off, but we want to be intentional about bringing in families and ministering to the parents, making disciples out of the parents, evangelizing the parents. Far too often, uh, we, we find that children get dropped off, they make a decision, they get baptized, and we never see the kid or the family again. Um, so we're, we're being very intentional about discipling families, family ministry. And, and this is just one more way we're um, honing that, I guess we would say. Uh, so anyway, it was an interesting VBS. We had 38 kids registered or something like that, but we had 60 to 70 people because we had parents and grandparents that were coming and being a part. So really good week. Um, but the point of all that, like I said, was that we we're still ministering in the midst of all that. Um, as hard as it is, we still got a job to do, right? 
No, we, we've got a job to do. And, and as I've said for some time now, it, it's, it's church season, right? I mean, this is the season where the church is needed more, uh, more than ever, particularly here in Southwest Louisiana. I mean, where hope is needed, where, where wisdom is needed, where love is needed, all of those things are absolutely essential uh, to, to recovery. Uh, and so for us, it's church season. We've got VBS this coming up week. Tomorrow, we're doing a pre-VBS fun day. Um, so we've got one of our Pelican, praying Pelican mission groups that are here in town, and they want to do a fun day for the community. So we're making it the pre-VBS uh, registration day. So we're going to bring kids from the community, have hot dogs, all those things, sign them up for VBS for next week. Cool. And then we'll do yeah. Uh, VBS next week. VBS here in Mount Olive has always been uh, for our size large. Uh, right. So 100 plus. I mean, 100, yeah. 160. We've seen 200. Uh, and so it's going to be really interesting to see what this one turns out to be. This will be only our second VBS at this location. Uh, and so we're really excited about it. Um, texting out to the deacons and everyone you know, just saying, listen, VBS is an incredible, incredible outreach, you know, uh, moment. And it's definitely a great moment for us to kind of turn, turn this, turn the corner on this recovery, uh, and really reach our community and, uh, and have some, you know, uh, some fun and enjoy it and kind of get ministry kicked back off. We're kind of looking at our recovery in three stages, a season of re-engaging the community, a season of retreat where we'll kind of re-engage one another and really envision what's next and then revival and then going into the new year. So we've kind of got the alliterations going as, as you would come to expect. So. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's going to be a, a very exciting season uh, here, here at the nest. So yeah, it's been, it's been busy, uh, but all good, man. It's it's work to be done, and definitely would encourage our listeners. Listen, if there's any way you can help, uh, you know, uh, myself, Michael, or any church in Southwest Louisiana, jump in, come down, send, uh, do what you can to be a part of it. It's going to be an incredible testimony uh, of resilience uh, for a community, and and your life will be blessed for have been being being a part of it um i know it's a mess down here right now but i tell people all the time every miracle was a mess before the master met it and so we're 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 prime miracle material down here because we are mess. absolutely <laughs> yeah if you came down and you you drove through you would you would wonder your first thought would probably be what are y'all doing? Right. Why is it still, why is it still such a mess? Um, but uh, that's, you need to come see and understand why mm -hmm. that, why it's such a mess. Uh, there's a lot of work still to be done. Tons of work to be done here in Southwest Louisiana. So definitely a great time to come down, be a part, uh, and see what's happening. Um, and, and again, help recover, uh, especially even ministry. So even if your thing is not working uh, as far as with your hands and craftsmanship, uh, I mean, like you said, these groups are coming down and helping run BBSs, uh, helping, you know, uh, canvas communities for churches. 
uh, helping clean up churches. Uh, we've got a group that's power washing our church today. So uh, pressure wow, yeah. washing our church today. And so it's just little, every little bit counts, man, uh, to help us get it back on our feet. So we appreciate it. Yeah, there, there's a lot to do. So, so come on down. All right, so let's get to what we've got set aside as our topic today. Now, understand, uh, listeners, that, that we're going to be talking about some things that for maybe for you, they're old news. Um, now, we were discussing, uh, Braylon and I were discussing earlier, that we, we tend to have a bit of, of a prophetic podcast, um, if you're keeping up with the SBC world especially, uh, there's been much talk of what is or isn't plagiarism in the pulpit. Uh, Braylon and I did a podcast on that back in May. There was another reason that we did it. It had nothing to do with SBC. Um, but then the topic came up in the SBC uh, here in the last few weeks. You can listen to that podcast if you go to our page. We're not going to rehash that here. But we, uh, we talked about it at great length. We, we talked about sex abuse, and uh, we had Liz Evan on after she uh, had a, uh, wrote and got a bill, a law passed in Tennessee that made um, uh, sexual relationships, sex abuse between a pastor and a church member a felony, uh, right? Is that what she would say? Um, Liz, correct me when you listen to this. Um, but uh, made it against the law to have a relationship, particularly in a counseling uh, relationship. It's not against the law for a pastor to date a church member in Tennessee. That's not what that means. It means that you can't uh, have a dating uh, intimate relationship with someone you're counseling, that's an abuse of power just by its very nature. So, and she would have explained that much better. And I'm sure she did back when we talked about it. So you can listen to that. But then there was quite a bit of discussion on the uh, uh, sex abuse, uh, handling of sex abuse allegations in the Southern Baptist Convention. And there were uh, motions passed and uh, a committee will be uh, formed. I know that sounds, that's the very Baptist thing to do, but that committee will be getting a third party to investigate the executive committee's handling of sex abuse. And we will very likely talk about that in coming episodes. Um, but my point is that your podcast hosts have their finger on the pulse of right. culture and, uh, and I've run out of things to say, um, because it was so ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> we, uh, we're doing our best. We're, we're doing hard. our best to talk about what's going on, talk about it candidly, and and give you a heads up. And, and give and you people a, should definitely send in topics. You should definitely send in topics. Yes, please. Please send in some topics that you want us to tackle. And, uh, you know, we ain't scared. That's right. There's, there's <laughs> not much we won't talk about, as evidenced by the discussion today. All right. One of the resolutions that we passed in... Uh, at the Southern Baptist Convention, the annual meeting, was, we're just going to call it Resolution 2. Mm -hmm. I, now, I talked about some of this, I think, before I went on our, our, we went on our trip, talked about 
what a resolution is, what it isn't. Um, and we talked about a, a, talked a little about resolution nine in 2019 that was about CRT, critical race theory. And it's um, that resolution's handling of CRT. But in case you didn't listen, I encourage you to go back, but I'm going to just quickly recap what that, uh, what that was. Um, first, a resolution when it comes to the Southern Baptist Convention. If you're a big fan of Robert's Rules of Order, a resolution in Robert's Rules of Order means something's going to happen. That is not what it means with the Southern Baptist Convention. A resolution with the Southern Baptist Convention is the mind of the convention at that meeting. It is something we want to say. It, we, we can't tell any organization of the Southern Baptist Convention, any entity of the Southern Baptist Convention to do anything with a resolution. That's a motion. I make a motion that Southwestern Seminary uh, give free donuts to all the students every day of classes. That would be a motion that would then go to Southwestern and they would discuss whether they could do that or not. I can't write a resolution or can't submit a resolution that says, be it therefore resolved or whereas everybody likes donuts and whereas everybody needs energy to go to class and whereas everybody that goes to seminary needs more energy than they did in college, be it therefore resolved that Southwestern Seminary give donuts every morning to their students. That's not, that's not how the way resolutions work. Resolutions are whereas this sort of thing's going on right now and whereas we've already said these things as Southern Baptists in the past and whereas the Bible says this about a certain situation or topic, be it resolved that we Southern Baptists at this meeting this year have this opinion about what's going on, about what's being talked about. And we think that the government should look at it this way or uh the or groups should do it this way or whatever we can put our opinion on what should be done but it doesn't it isn't binding on anybody okay now resolutions are used though just to to back up a little bit here they have been used occasionally in court uh at least in discussions in court maybe not as evidence but uh they're used as um examples of the belief system of the convention so they they do carry import they they carry weight there's there's something it says something and it says something profound and it says something important it's not legally binding that's the what i, I maybe i should have begun with but it does tell people what we think and it does come up when people are discussing Southern Baptists and what we're doing. All right. There was a strong push this year to rescind Resolution 9 from Birmingham in 2019, the resolution on CRT that said everything in the whole wide world is subordinate to scripture, every theory, everything, including CRT, but where CRT says something true, use it. That's a very rough paraphrase, but that's what the resolution said. There was a push to rescind that resolution, like a vote, a motion that we rescind uh, resolution nine in 2019. The, 
the the Southern Baptist Convention has lawyers on retainer. Um, the lawyers and the parliamentarians discussing what a resolution is and isn't got together and said, you can't in 2021 tell the messengers of 2019 that's not what you thought. Right. Because in 2019, As that was the, what the convention resolved. They mm -hmm. resolved this thing. We can't go back in time. And to prove a point, there were a number of people that got up and um, made motions to rescind some resolutions from way back in the past, like the 1850s, the 1870s, that dealt with slavery and black people and that sort of thing. And and said, I want, I move that we rescind that resolution. And, and I'm confident that the people knew that you, that either a, you can't do that or B, if we're going to do it, we're going to start rescinding everything, mm -hmm. including our resolutions in the 1970s that supported abortion. Um, so we don't rescind resolutions. We reverse resolutions. We say things now that are opposite of what we said in the past. We correct ourselves. Right. Okay. That's a lot of explanation. And if you're not already asleep, we'll talk about resolution two. Since we couldn't rescind resolution nine, people submitted resolutions that um, decried, that... Uh, um, denied anything good about critical race theory or intersectionality um, that condemned the uh, condemned critical race theory, all those things. And none of those resolutions made it to the floor. The resolution that did is resolution two. Did I explain the process? I hate, I'm sorry, I'm getting into the weeds and all this, but there's a committee that looks at resolutions. Anybody in the Southern Baptist Convention can submit a resolution. A committee is elected, appointed rather, appointed to look at those resolutions, decide what's good, decide what's bad, and then present them. That's that's the short story. And we had a very good Southern committee Baptist this year. Convention is well organized. That's all he's really trying to say. It's extremely uh, well organized it, it doesn't it doesn't fail for lack of organization or procedures <laughs> sometimes it fails because of too much organization or well procedure. that's what I'm but it's not a lack thereof though correct you, and, you may say you're following the rules wrong and some people do say that occasionally but you can't say that it's helter skelter you know willy-nilly everywhere Right. Uh, just chaos. No, no, there it, it. So. All right. So we get to resolution two. On the sufficiency of scripture for race, for race and racial reconciliation. And I just want to point out a couple of a couple of parts of this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, It'll be I'll, in the uh, links, I'm sure. Right. It'll be in the links. Yes. I'll, I'll post a screenshot of the resolution on our uh, Facebook page um, so that you can so you can take a look at it. Um, but what the resolution does say is it talks about our resolutions in the past, uh, one where we repented of uh, promoting, 
let me let me find it. I thought it mentioned. Uh, Yeah, it does. It's a little further down. It's in the resolves. I was looking in the whereas is. Um, we uh, reject any theory or worldview. Says that three times. Right. We reject any theory or worldview. One that finds ultimate identity in human beings and ethnicity or in any other group dynamic. We reject any theory or worldview that sees the primary problem of humanity as having anything other than sin against God. Uh, we re reject any theory or worldview that denies that racism, oppression, or discrimination is rooted ultimately in anything other than sin. Uh, and then it, we resolve to affirm our 1995 res uh, resolution on racial, racial, that's hard to say, 1995 resolution on racial reconciliation on the 150th anniversary of the Southern Baptist Convention, where we said we apologize to all African Americans for condoning and or perpetuating individual and systemic racism in our lifetime, and we generally re genuinely repent of racism of which we have been guilty, whether consciously or unconsciously applying this disposition to every instance of racism. So it did a, this resolution did a lot of great things. It never mentioned CRT. And that was a great thing because if we, let's see there, much of the discussion was why are we going after CRT and not after other ungodly atheistic theories that we use all the time that uh are parts of them you know we can go all the way back to aristotelian thought platonic thought we can get into the realm of psychology and even biology that biology begins secular biology begins with no god and and evolution yet we still use various parts of biology every day, every time we go to the doctor. So why are we singling out CRT when there are any theory, and that's what this says, any theory that rejects God, scripture, rejects the idea that sin is the ultimate issue. We don't need any of them. And I've, since I've talked a lot, Braylon, I'll let you Go yeah, that a little no, bit. Uh, listen, you know, it's a it's a bold uh, resolution. Yeah, coffee is important, man. Uh, it's a bold resolution. And definitely it was a very, uh, uh, very contested and uh, uh, a very large conversation at the convention. Uh, coming up to the convention and obviously beyond the convention, we're weeks away and we're still having that conversation. Uh, and it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had had uh, across various different mediums uh, in various different settings uh, and, and definitely can spur that conversation as we hope to do each and every uh, week in our uh, podcast as well is to keep that conversation going. Um, I agree uh, that, you know, really being able to address various theories that may come up or may have already been constructed 
uh, and place the uh, place the emphasis on scripture. You know, there's absolutely nothing I would oppose with saying that scripture can guide. Scripture should guide. It must guide uh, our behavior and our day-to-day -day lives um, as it pertains to all issues of life, right? We believe that the word of God is holistic in nature, that it's really nothing uh that it no, no particular situation or circumstance that it does not give uh an authoritative word on or something that there's an authoritative word of that would have prevented or or, or in some way shape form or fashion addressed and of course racism is one of those things that we see throughout the word of god uh, we see it present we see it dealt with uh we see it um, we, we see that there were times in which it was, um, you know, directly dealt with. We see in times in which it was indirectly dealt with. And so it's easy, I, I think, for me uh, to see, you know, how how we're guided uh, in Scripture, right? Uh, the, the, the word that kind of pops out uh, to me uh, as as an obvious African-American, <laughs> you know what I mean, male, I didn't uh, notice. and as an African-American pastor is, uh, I forgot what stanza or, or, or whereas it is, oh, it's, it's, I don't know what number six or seven, it says, uh, and it was going back to the Baptist faith and message of 2000 states, uh, that Christians should oppose racism, you know, uh, right. and to me, that's a very operative word, right? Uh, that's a very, very operative word uh, in, in the entire text that then lends itself to, uh, if, if we're going to oppose something, if we're not just going to say, oh, that's bad and walk away from it, but we're, we're going to oppose it, we're going to go against it, uh, then it lends itself, though, to some I need to understand what it is, right? I need to. Yes, it's one of those things of you know you can't you can't oppose something that that you have not studied very honestly, right? Uh, I mean, if you were doing your uh, doctrinal uh, defending your doctrinal uh, uh, dissertation, which you will be very very soon, I hope. Uh, I look forward <laughs> to hearing great things about that. And uh, you know, and, and there's opposition, but it's gonna it's gonna have to come from somebody that has read the dissertation, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's gonna have to come somebody who has studied what you have written, who studied what you've said. And so, while I do believe that um, that scripture is the authority, and we should study racism in the context of scripture, uh, we must also say, listen, it is our goal and our desire to get an understanding, right? So get scripture, right? In all things, get understanding. And so there has to be this sincere desire to understand racism, to understand where it's rooted, how it could possibly, how it exists in its current form, and then to say, let's develop a, not only an understanding, but to me, an opposition says, we understand the the enemy or whatever we're fighting against and then we also have a strategy to defeat it right and so it's, it's kind of two form there right can't develop a strategy without understanding uh who and what we're fighting but once we understand who and what we're fighting and then here's another point you know and, and this will bring in probably another theory right sun Tzu would say you've got to understand yourself too right i've got to not only just understand my enemy i've got to understand myself and how i may play into that what are my weaknesses what are my propensities and then develop a strategy that plays to my strengths and and takes advantage of the weaknesses 
of the enemy in order to truly oppose and, and ultimately defeat as well. So, uh, so again, the operative word of oppose really resonates with me uh, in that the, the, the undertone of that is we need to understand uh, and then we need to strategize. And the goal at the end is not just to oppose, but to ultimately defeat. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. and, and I think that has to be our desire. It has to be our hope. Uh, that has to be our ambition. And I think that's what scripture would lead us to do that. We, you know, uh, we, 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 we come to an understanding of sin, right? He gives us some, some insights on sin. He says, listen, there's three basic ways sin works, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. He's not just saying, oh, there's sin. No, he says, I want you to understand it. There's <laughs> kind of three ways it happens here. There's lust of the eye, you know, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And of course, I would put racism in the pride of life category, right? Sure, and, sure. and so then diving into that. So, so it's a pride thing and then diving further into that and then understanding how do we, how does pride develop in our hearts? And then how do we deconstruct it in our hearts? Uh, and then let's get at that, man. Let's, let's get at those things that have us, have an ability to develop pride in us um, and, and, and do those things that are necessary. So uh, while I agree, you know, it, it, I'm not offended in the least that CRT is not mentioned here. Um, I do want to say, though, that we should be looking to understand, uh, looking to looking for understanding. Uh, definitely the authority on our understanding is the scripture. But of course, there are there are other things that we should say. Let, let's see where that comes from. Where is that going and how do we oppose it righteously? Yeah, I don't want to get into this conversation that I'm about to bring up too much because it's not the topic of this podcast. But there was a second resol another resolution that was refused, but then brought to the floor, uh, you, which you can do. If a committee refuses a resolution, two thirds of the messengers can vote to bring it to the floor and discuss it. And it happened on a resolution to abolish abortion which I want abortion abolished. The wording of this resolution, and, and I've shared in, on Twitter and Facebook and other places the, the arguments against this resolution. It was very poorly worded. It, didn't, it did not help us move along in the fight against abortion. It uh, created unnecessary barriers, I believe, in the fight against abortion and said that no increment in eradicating abortion is good enough. It's abolition or nothing. Okay. The, there, there, I think there's a, there are a lot of problems in that. What we have to do though, or what we are doing with abortion is the same thing we need to do with racism. Ultimately, you stop abortion. Well, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to contradict myself. Ultimately, you stop abortion by people being saved. Abortion is the result of sin. Killing a baby is sin. But you have Christians who have abortion. You have Christians who are racists. 
we were a denomination founded because of racism and slavery. Believers who were seminary professors and pastors and theologians started our convention, and they were slaveholders and racists. So clearly, simply, and I, and I, I use the word simply very intentionally here, simply being saved doesn't, we all know this, right? Doesn't keep you from sinning. Oh, so sanctification. <laughs> sanctification does. And sanctification starts because you realize your sinfulness. Oh, this is a sin. I've just always done that. Okay, I'll not do that anymore. And that one was easy. And the next one was hard. I mean, Paul writing the letters to the churches, especially churches like the ones in Corinth and Ephesus, where they were centers of pagan worship and all sorts of debauchery, he had to say, y'all, guys, okay, here, y'all are Christians now. You can't do those things. Those are right. sins. Right. And they're like, but we've always slept with uh, temple prostitutes. Why is that a big, you know, no, that's, that's, that's an abomination. You can't do that. So well, you, you yeah. attack the sinfulness from various angles. We attack racism. We oppose racism, not simply with, not just with the gospel, with the gospel, but with the implications of the gospel. So if I'm saved, then I don't hate my brother. If I'm saved, I don't give in to pride and say one race is better than the other. The same thing we, we do with uh, abortion. We, we look at all the roots, uh, the causes, and we try to help those things so that abortion is no longer necessary, no longer attractive. And for the rare few that abortion is enjoyable, well, then you make it illegal so they can't do it anymore. You, you know, same with racism. You attack it at every front, and then you pass civil rights laws that say, and you can't be institutionally racist anymore. We're going to fine you. You don't, your company doesn't exist, whatever, you know. So there's much more to it than simply, again, I'm using that word intentionally, simply sharing the gospel. That is where it absolutely starts, and that is the most important part, but that is not where it ends when we confront sinfulness. It's not where it ends in our own lives. I'm saved well, and still well, the fight Bible, The Bible doesn't stop in, with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Uh, it doesn't right. stop at John and say, hey, you got the gospel. Go get it done, right? There are books and books and letters and letters written afterwards about let's dive into this let's take a really exacting examination of this culture of this issue in this context of that issue in this right. context right church by church uh region by region let's let's see how this gospel impacts and affects your day-to-day -day life uh and, and not only that not only having an understanding of what it is where it comes from and all of those things that we can deconstruct it but also understanding its impl and implications and impact that is truly had right uh and, and we know this that many times even even okay even even in the south vific experience 
truly understanding what sin did is, mm -hmm. is very operative in, in, in true repentance, right? It, so, so truly understanding that sin separates us, right? That, that, right. that, that we were in a, in a loving, that Adam and Eve were in a loving relationship with God, things were perfect. And look at the issues that sin brought in. Look at the, the, the depravity of and all. And so studying that depravity, studying that impact of sin is, does not, is not nominal to, to repentance. It is operative in repentance, right? It, it, the more, very honestly, the more you understand how much sin breaks God's heart, the more repentant and the more motivated you become to not sin, right? Yeah. Uh, you, and that's a part of it, right? I'm, I mean, and, and I'm thinking, you know, um, something as natural uh, as sexual desires as you come through teenagehood, right? One of the parts of teaching a child to not, teaching a teenager not to do it, is to help them understand how much that breaks God's heart, how great his plan is, how much his desires are, how much we settle, how much we, the, the, the how much we have diminished what God has, has intended. So the study of that, the study of the fallout of our sin, the study of the, the, the issues of our sin is not nominal and disregarded and say, oh, well, sin, you know, we, we just, you know, need to repent of our sins. But understanding the operative nature of sin and the true depravity that sin engages really is, again, operative in our repentance process, right? So remember right. the prophet comes and he says, he, he sees God and he says, oh, wretched man that I am. You know, oh, wretched man. One says, oh, wretched man that I am. Other one says, you know, I'm undone. I'm completely undone, which means he's coming to an understanding of- A man of unclean lips. Uh, of unclean lips. He says, I, I really- I'm, you know, when we talk about conviction, right? Conviction is operative to repentance, right? Well, conviction is coming to the understanding of what sin has truly done to God's purpose and God's plan. Uh, and, and so as we study that, as, as you know, and again, it goes back to your word simply, oh, it's sin. No, I, I think we do well. We, we would do this in our child's life, right? I don't just come to my child and say, son, you know, premarital sex is sin. No, no, son, let me explain to you what that does to God's plan. Let me explain to you, you know, you know what it has done to this and how it affects that and how it affects this and, and, and son, you're going to get married and, and how it affects that person. And, and, you know, I want my son to understand the depth of his decision, uh, whether, whether and, and listen, my oldest son is eight years old. I'm not worried about it at this particular point in time. But, <laughs> right. But, you know, in my in my planning of my birds and the bees conversation, which I hadn't had to have just quite yet, um, part of my strategy is not just saying, "Oh, it's sin; God's not pleased," but the depth and, and the impact that it has had on other people's lives. And you know, we talk about you know our you know, and, and I'm bringing up these specific instances to to kind of just exemplify how 
we don't simply just say sin, right? We, we talk, if you want to take your men's group and you want to talk about, and I say men's group, that may be considered sexist because women struggle with these things as well. And you want right. to talk about pornography. You don't just say, you know, guys, pornography is a sin and we shouldn't do it. No, we start talking about the impact that it has on marriage, on it, you know, and, and, and your family and, and this. And we bring in guys who were addicted and we want them to tell the story, right? And we want, you know, uh, of how it impacted life. All of this is essential to that, to, 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 at the end of the day, a truly broken heart, right? A broken heart, a contrite spirit, you know, uh, that, that then leads to true repentance and, 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 and life and life change, you know? Uh, and so again, it's not, it's yes, opposition, not just the rejecting, but opposing, not just opposing, but ultimately defeating. Uh, yeah. And and those are those to me are the operative portions that we we really have to focus, and some of them, of course, are there uh, in in the language. Yeah, there's. Um, I want to pivot just a little bit here and 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 talk about. There are those that would say we don't need theories at all. Well, no, they'll say we don't need CRT because of the sufficiency of scripture. We don't need a theory telling us what's wrong. We know that what's wrong is sin. And this is where, when I say simply share the gospel, that's, that's a, a phrase that comes from those who would be against the use of any theory outside of Scripture and say, no, we just need to simply share the gospel and the gospel will fix it. The The... the the gospel fixes the curse of sin and the gospel empowers us to fix the problem of sin. But as we've just talked about, the gospel doesn't make us sinless. We will no longer suffer the consequences of our sin. Thanks to the blood of Jesus, we now will live with him for eternity and we are forgiven. But that doesn't mean that we aren't Paul. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. I, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this? Who He knew my salvation is complete and secure, but I struggle in sinfulness. A theory like CRT does not, well, the, a theory like CRT may, and in this case, in a lot of places does, deny the sufficiency of scripture to fix the problem of sin it denies the even the, uh, some versions of it deny even the presence of universal sin uh it's it is a uh, a sinfulness from one group that is the problem again in some versions of it my point is and this is what resolution 9 did in 2019 and what I believe Resolution 2 this year clarified for us is a theory is only as good as its truthfulness, right? Says that. But a theory about a sociological issue like racism will point out things in our culture, in our circumstances that while the Bible may give a principle on don't hate your brother, it doesn't show us specific ways that in our culture, 
we hate our brother. The Bible doesn't tell us how to change the oil in our car because it never, it wasn't its purpose to foresee cars. Did God know there were going to be cars? Yes, but he didn't see fit to put in there how to change the oil because that's not the purview of scripture on how to maintain our vehicles. So we change the stewardship. He taught stewardship, right? Right. right. Take care of your stuff. Right. Um, you know, if you if you have a gift, treat it well. Mm -hmm. So where CRT or any other theory that is man-made, and they all are, uh, but they may at points represent God's truth. All truth is God's truth. I believe it was uh, Augustine that said that. Um, let me give my citation, right? Let me. Uh, don't I didn't plagiarize anybody. Right. Someone somewhere once said um, that all truth is God's truth. Therefore, yes, scripture is sufficient about that which it speaks, but it doesn't tell us whether, just to pull a, uh, I, I watched a documentary a night or two ago, uh, so to pull an example out of thin air, scripture doesn't tell us whether it is sinful or not, to have a Confederate statue, a statue of a Confederate general in the courtyard of, uh, or, or in a, along the highway in New Orleans, Lee Circle. Scripture doesn't say, don't build statues of Confederate generals. Are there principles in there that would tell us that? A lot of conversation about that. Yes, there are. Scripture doesn't tell us that uh, don't watch pornography on your computer because scripture didn't foresee, God didn't see fit to put into scripture the advent of computers and the internet and say, don't watch pornography on the computer. So I could say, well, the Bible doesn't say I don't have to watch, I can't watch pornography on the computer, so I can. Well, no, there are principles. So where CRT or any other theory tells us something about where we are culturally, then we listen to it, where it says, don't pay attention, where, where it says, don't pay attention to scripture or countermands scripture or denies scripture or whatever. Then we say, no, now we're done with you. And on that point, you, you had me, I'm not going to lie. You had us uh, in the first half, but in the second half, uh, we realized there was a problem with you. So, Braylon, this is all back to, I think we've discussed this before, nuance. Mm -hmm. There's more than just the extremes on each end. Doesn't mean that truth is relative. Not saying that. Not saying there's a your truth and a my truth. Right. But there are, there's more to it than just all that's bad or all that's good. And we've got to have discussions about this stuff. No, I, I agree. And so someone once said, okay, and I think it was Aristotle, by the way, uh, it, uh, you know, it's a mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain an idea without accepting it, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, you know, we should be, you know, think about the apostles, right? I mean, they were in the middle of, you know, these big philosophical debates and all of these things. And, and, and I'm confident that they sit and, and listen and then said, okay, here's what God says about that. 
but but they heard it. They 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 said and they they listened. They they I imagine they studied right in, in order to be. That's able exactly to what clean. Paul did at the Areopagus. Nah, I see you've got a, you, going. Y'all are. Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted your sermon. No, no, no. I'm just no. That's what I'm saying. You're exactly right. You see this right here. You see this unknown God. I, <laughs> I see y'all are very religious, and you even have one a statue to the unknown God. Let me tell you about the God you don't know. Let me tell you about it, right? And so we we can entertain, but not accept, right? And then we can then we can utilize for our for 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 God's glory, right? We can say, you know what? You you've come to some interesting points of understanding. Now let me take you from there to 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 the fullness of truth, right? Let me take right. you from that point to the, let me let me take you on from this point, right? Uh, let me show you where this thought is limited. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Let me tell you where this this theory is insufficient, right? Which is and exactly what we should do with CRT. That, that there's some there's some there's some there's some strength here, but there's insufficiency here. It, only in the Word of God do we find sufficiency, full, you know, all sufficiency. And so, bringing that person, okay, this is you. You've got some understanding. Now, let me take you to a higher, a full level of sufficiency in your understanding through the Word of God. And so, we just again, you're exactly right. What we, and we've talked about this, this nuance that you know. Uh, and, and Dr. King talked about this. Speaking of you know African Americans and the great leaders, etc. Right. King, you know, there, there are just so few people who are really interested in hard thinking right? In, yeah. in the hard thinking and the hard conversations uh, that are able to get down to the nuance. And I know someone will say, well, there's no nuance. No, listen, the word, this is why the word of God says the word of God is alive and it's sharp and it's dividing of the marrow from the bone, which means guess what? It can deal with nuance. I mean, it can get in there and say, you know, I mean, it deal, it cuts with, with some accuracy that allows it to get in those places of nuance. And, and man, I mean, you know, fillet that thing, right? Take it off right. the bone, right? And, and, and so that's what the word of God says it can and will do. And we as men and women of God and men of men and women of, of the word and of faith should not be uh, uh, should not be afraid to utilize the word and that two-edged war to, I mean, get into something and, and feel it and say, all right, here's truth. Here's right there. <laughs> here's the word yep. that, that cuts through, right? We're going to point one. Oh, that's on God's side. Point two, nope, not on God. We don't have to take it stock, lock, and barrel, but we do not have to throw the baby out with the bad water. That's right. All right. I know you've got things to do today. So Just a few. Uh, we're, we're uh, getting toward the end of, of our time uh, on this one. I'm glad to be back with you, of course. Uh, one, one thing we had talked about, talking about, that we're not really going to have time to flesh out, but let me get a, a short answer from you on this. We, we actually talked about it when we thought we were going to record a couple of weeks ago and, oh, yeah. and didn't. Um, <laughs> we made the roof. We just had to put it. That's in right. We made the roof for this two weeks ago. Uh, and I don't know if Rue's supposed to sit out that long, but y'all tell we us it, if, it, it you know, the if the roof no was sour. No worries. That's right. <laughs> uh, is, okay, so... We're talking about attacking, opposing racism and finding those points of attack. It was right after the convention that like we got home Friday and then 
that evening or that day, Juneteenth was made a national holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, Juneteenth, if you're from Texas, you're much more familiar with Juneteenth than uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a general statement here. If you're white, you're probably only familiar with Juneteenth if you are from Texas. Um, outside of Texas, it wasn't very well known among white folks. Uh, I'm sure it was much more well known among black folks, but even even then it may not have been too far outside of Texas. I don't know uh, about all that. But it was made a national holiday. So uh, Braylon, was that a good, I'm putting you on the spot here, I guess. Was that a good point? I know where you're going, so go for it. (laughs) Was that a good point of attack uh, against racism? Listen, I I think it was. Um, I think it was a good point of attack. I think it it was necessary. I think that that's in the line of process. Um, Do I think it's late? Yes. Do I think it's... um, do I think it's one of the smaller battles? Yes. Uh, you know, but is it in the line? Yes. Should it be recognized? Absolutely. Um, should should we be excited? We've crossed that mile marker. Yes. You know, uh, it's it's on the road. Right? It's it's right. in the, it's on it's 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 a legitimate mile marker on the path. You know. Um, and, and, you know, we just have so many viewers from so many different places. I, I, w- I would hate to, you know, give a give a localized analogy. But let's just say, for example, you know, you're you're in Houston. Everyone kind of knows where Houston is. If you're in Houston and you're going to L- Los Angeles. Right. You know, you know, if, when you cross in, the, you know, this, when you cross the state line, that's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and what determines- you cross from El Paso to New Mexico. Right. You know, so so the, what determines that is when you did it, but you know, got a long uh, way to go to you, Los you Angeles, know, how much time you, you, know, you still got a long way to go. And, and, and so every time you leave one county and cross into a new county. And just, so so all of those are great steps, great things going from one direction to another. You know, would, would I consider this crossing a state line or would I consider this crossing a county line? I. I would say probably a county line, but a right. county line in the right direction, right? So is this a county line? If we were leaving for Houston, going to LA, is this a county line in Texas or is this a county line in New Mexico? I, 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 maybe New Mexico, maybe Arizona. Maybe. You know, I don't know. You know, we're, we're, we're down the road. Are we in California? No. <laughs> right. right. You know I mean? uh, are we even in Nevada? I don't know, but but Nevada going across this side, this side is not very wide, so you know it's okay. It's not like we got a long way to go from. Well, you're you're a little off path if you're going through Nevada from Houston, but well, well, there you but go. But we so, we've we've taken some detours over the years, haven't we? So, oh, um, oh my goodness, yeah. My wife is planning the trip. Yes, of course, but. Uh, <laughs> I went to yeah. Ex- anyways, all right. So yeah, so. It, it, it is. It's, it's, it's moving in the right direction. I think when we talked about this originally, we talked about, you know, pace, right? If, right. It, you know, if, if, if this is, okay, this is the next thing, and the next couple of things kind of expedite and move quicker, you know, yeah, this, this is missing. No matter whether the pace speeds up, whether it slows down, whatever happens, 
this is a this is an event. This is a mile marker. This this is is we're on the right road. Uh, yeah. and, and you you know that in, in times in which you're lost, in times in which you are confused, in times in which you just kind of don't know which way to go, you know, it doesn't take and I think we're there, we were there, especially in 2020, right? Uh, and 2019, with so many things going crazy racially and 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 the big talking heads, yeah, you know I mean, making it feel like, man, we are completely lost. We're going backwards. We're to, to have those votes, Southern Baptists, you know, uh, to to vote in Linton, to vote on this particular document, you know, uh, while there may not been may have not have been big issues, it just simply says. Okay, after a crazy year where it looked like we got turned around, you know what? Here's a mile market. We're facing the right direction now. We don't know right. how much progress we made. We, but the general population of the nation is headed in the general right direction. You know what I mean? So yeah, should it be celebrated good. as a man? Oh, you know, whoo! No, it should just. I think after years like 2019, 2018, 2019, 2020, and even beginning of 2021 for Christ's sake, right? You know. It just is a saying, you know what, we've got our quote unquote wits about us. We, we you know, the, the conscience of America is still there yeah. and, and we're facing the right direction. How far, you know, how fast, all of those things are, you know, will be, will be answered in the, in the future. Right. Um, but, but it, it, to me, those things, simply speak to what direction are we facing so it's it, yeah. so it, but that seems like a simple thing right that man you wish you that would you wish things like this would be a a progress marker or uh this would be a pace marker but it's just a posture marker and we would say oh well that's yeah there's, there's my alliterations right there's so so we'd say oh well that's not big but posture is very important, right? You yeah. do not want the wrong posture, right? And so I would say it's a it's a kind of a posture thing. It's a it's a kind of positional thing, and not necessarily a progress and pace thing. Uh, but it's it's welcome nonetheless. Juneteenth wouldn't have been made a holiday in the 1950s. Fact. So it's it is it is progress. And, and just, yeah, I, I was thinking as you were talking, our, some of our listeners may still not be familiar with what Juneteenth is. And, and part of the reason this is progress is there has been no nationally recognized day celebrating the abolition of slavery in the U.S., yeah. uh, especially considering we fought a war over it. And don't come at me, uh, lost cause people. We fought over slavery. Get over it. Um, we we fought a, a war over it. We split our nation over it. Hundreds right. of thousands of men died because of it. And we, when it was abolished through the uh, Emancipation Proclamation, we don't recognize that as, as a, a national holiday at all. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time that there's any recognition of the abolition of slavery. And this particular date, June 19th, uh, 1863 was when word of abolition, and I understand that slaves in Texas knew, people in Texas knew about the Emancipation Proclamation. This well, is when the enforcement, enforcement. <laughs> right. the strength to enforcement finally Yes, arrived. this right. is when the Union General got to Galveston and enforced mm-hmm. emancipation, 
And uh, that's why that date is commemorated in Texas and why that date was chosen nationally, because rather than, I guess they could have um, chosen the date of the Emancipation Proclamation itself, but this was kind of considered the last frontier of slavery to to have emancipation enforced. So yeah. it was, it had- Yeah, and when I say, you know, it's, it's more of a posture standpoint, not a progressive or a pace standpoint, it, I agree. It, it, it obviously shows progress if we're looking in the context of the last 100 years, right? I think yeah. the progress, when I say it's not so much a progressive thing, is if we're looking at the last 10 years and other things have that have been done in the last 10 years, which have been progressive, in retrospect of the last 100, it, it at least tells us we're facing and have the right posture going forward over the last, let's just say, decade or generation where there has been progressive steps going, you know, going forward. This one, I, I would say, versus a step, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a coordinates. We've got a coordinates, and a coordinates is where it should be. <laughs> in the direction it should be, right? Uh, and so I think those are those are good things because you're exactly right. 1950, no way. 60s, nah, you, you know. Yeah. 80s, probably not. Probably <laughs> you, not. You know I mean? Probably not, you know. Um, and which, and so, yeah. yeah. It, which is absolutely a sad commentary that it has taken this long, 160 years right. to commemorate it, but we are a stubborn bunch. Well, and by by we, I mean humans. Well, and and which leads us to, I guess, a culminating thought. Yep. Sin is sticky, man. Yep. We do what we can to fight it every day. Sin is Uh, sticky. Whatever our sin is, both the ones that we commit consciously, according to this resolution, or 1995 resolution, or unconsciously. Yeah. So we fight it. Well, brother, it is good to talk to you today. We are at the end of our time. Uh, like I said earlier, you've got work to do. We appreciate y'all listening. We are going to endeavor to be more consistent in our recording now, but just bear with us uh, as the hurricane season unfolds. We don't know what that's going to hold for Louisiana. Uh, it, working with an organ- relief organization that's regional, but also now has some national scope. Braylon may be here, there, and yonder various times, so we may miss some times. We're going to try to, we're going to do our best to be here regularly talking about what's going on. Yes, send us topics. Let us know what you're thinking about, what you want us to hear, uh, what you want to hear us chew on for a little while. The uh, contact information will be after we sign off from here. You can hear all that and get back to it, uh, get that back to us. Braylon, good talking to you, my friend. Glad we're back at it. Absolutely. Always. Let's keep it going. You've been listening to the Church in Black and White podcast with Braylon Harris and Michael Linton. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash churchbnw or just search for the Church in Black and White. Follow us on Twitter at churchbnw, that's churchbnw, or tell us your thoughts by email at churchbnw at gmail.com, churchbnw at gmail.com. We look forward to you being a part of our discussion next week.